0: The Sober Highway Podcast is brought to you by Brainwashed Coffee Company. We all know how important coffee is to the recovery community, but what's even more important is that Brainwashed Coffee Company donates 50% of its proceeds to people in addiction recovery. Visit BrainwashedCoffeeCo.com and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for 20% off your coffee order. What better way to support people in addiction recovery than with a great bag or bundle of Brainwashed Coffee? Brainwashed Coffee Company. Simple coffee for complicated people. We are also brought to you by Fukit Clothing. Fukit is an inspirational brand with the mission to inspire and motivate people to live life without regret and accept challenges that are worth the risk. Visit the link in the episode description and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for a discount on your order. I'm actually wearing one of their hats right now as I'm recording and editing this episode. Again, check out Fukit Clothing at the link in the episode description and help support an amazing brand bringing awareness to mental health issues and suicide prevention. What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, August 24th, 2021, and it is time for the Patrick Ewing, episode 33 of your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. Today, Anika and I will be reading and discussing some Am I the Asshole stories. However, all of these will be related to addiction in some way. Some of these are pretty cut and dry, but others are a little bit more interesting. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode, and maybe we could turn this into a weekly segment. Get ready, get set, and let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Dan,
1: and my name is Anika.
0: And welcome to the Sober Highway podcast. We are two young social workers who have dedicated our lives and careers to affecting change in the addiction recovery community.
1: We want to use this podcast as a platform to take the things we have learned over the course of our careers and share it with our listeners.
0: At the end of the day, we hope to inspire as many people as we can to make a change and live a lifestyle free of drugs and alcohol.
1: So sit back, relax, and enjoy.
0: What's up girl hi how are you how are you i'm good good you hear this music very faintly
1: no i can actually hear it pretty loud
0: really mm-hmm. how about how about now
1: now it's very faint yeah
0: okay so how's your week been
1: it's been pretty good. I feel like an old person. I got really excited about a vacuum cleaner.
0: Oh, shit, yeah? <laughs> Did you get a Dyson?
1: I, you know, it's so funny. We had a Dyson,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we got it when we moved in, so like three years mm-hmm. ago, and um, it was one of the stick vacs, mm-hmm. and... Other than the fact that it doesn't, like, hold a charge. for Like, it's only, like, eight minutes on max, which I like to use it on max because it's, like, the mm-hmm. suction's really good. Yeah. Um, It's it's great. It's lightweight. You know, you don't have to worry about it. But the battery basically, like, crapped out. And it's, like, $130 and a waiting list to get a new battery. You took it to a
0: vacuum store and they told you it was $130?
1: No, on on Dyson, like, to replace the battery is oh. $130.
0: Why don't you take it to a vacuum store? Maybe they have batteries in the store.
1: Well, so the problem with some of the the ones are like they're the off brand. And so what I've read is okay. that they overheat. Oh. And so um, you know, we were just like, We're even the eight minutes, like it's not really enough to do like the whole house, whatever. So we we're like, we're just going to get a new vacuum. So we ended up getting a new vacuum. Um You
0: got another Dyson though? No. What'd you get?
1: No, we got a shark. Okay. Um, but it's it's similar because it's like very lightweight and a stick vac, but it's corded, so we don't have to worry about battery issues.
0: Gotcha. I feel I mean, we, we bought a shark stick vac when we moved into this apartment, and to be quite honest with you, that's really all you need.
1: Yeah. I it's
0: I mean we, my boat,
1: we tried it last night, it was good.
0: Yeah, I mean our uh, I mean my parents when they moved up to the Cape, they they still had the old like You know, it's like one of those things where it's like it's got the hose and it's got the unit that sits on the floor and you wheel it around. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like a $600 vacuum when they bought it. So they just leave that downstairs in the basement for the carpeted floors. And then they just have a stick back to clean the whole upstairs. And the Dyson gets damn good suction. Yeah. Um, But then we had an issue. We had an issue. They had an issue with um, with their carpet vacuum. So they took it to a vacuum store and they're like licensed. It's almost like, you know, like how you go to, you <clears throat> know like you go to those Verizon stores that aren't really Verizon stores. They're like authorized retailers. Mm-hmm. And like they, they basically do business as a Verizon, whatever. So this is basically what it is. Like they do repairs and replacements on Dyson vacuums, um, you know, Hoover's, Dirt Devils, all that stuff. Yeah. So we brought it there and they were like, oh, this is an easy fix. The hose was clogged. Mm-hmm. So they were like, come back in 10 minutes, we'll unclog the hose and you're fine.
1: Yeah. My parents brought their, they have a Dyson, not a cordless, like the re- the regular like corded one, but they brought yeah. theirs to like a vacuum repair shop and got mm-hmm. it fixed and it was, it was great. We were mm-hmm. just like, this is like not even worth it.
0: Fair enough. You know. Um okay.
1: But We'll see.
0: I was very nervous that I would have had to go into work today. I almost had to go in. Oh, really? Yeah, because my my coworker, the other the other social worker on our team, she went on vacation to the Bahamas. She went on a cruise. Oh. And she's not coming back um she's not coming back until the 30th. That's her first day back. So She's going to be gone for two Sundays, today and the 29th, and those are usually my scheduled days off. So I was like, I'm not working two consecutive six-day weeks, so I was like, let's just let's just propose the, the, the schedule for the next two weeks to our boss. Let's just propose it with me off on those two Sundays and see if he says anything. If he says anything, then I'll go in, and if not, we'll just let it rock. You guys have showed, like
1: on, on call though, right? You know.
0: No. Realistically, I could do my job from home. Okay. But I mean, cuz like I have a webcam and a computer and we have an iPad in the ED that has access to like video chatting. Okay. So like I can video chat with the with the patients in the room. Um but anyway, so we we proposed the schedule to him. He said Okay, that's fine. So I was like, all right, great. I'm not working this Sunday. And it turns out that uh, the hurricane was coming through, which I actually got a notification that it was downgraded to a tropical storm.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Um, it says right now, uh, I, I get the Citizen app updates. And it says here, the tropical storm is located 35 miles southeast of Montauk Point. Sustained wind speeds are around 45 miles an hour with gusts up to 58. So I don't know if that means it's going to come inland, like closer to us. Or if it's just going to continue up to like the New England area.
1: I think it's supposed to just go up to the New England area is my understanding that it's supposed to be a little further off than originally. It was tracked to kind of like be right through Long Island.
0: 1752, so that you don't hear this part of the conversation. Thanks. Yeah. I was actually, my friends were supposed to, uh, my friends were supposed to come over today because we were supposed to do some and, uh, you know, miscellaneous shopping for the person in the next room. And, uh, That's we gonna exciting. T- yeah, we were going to do that today. Um, but they said, oh, because of the hurricane, we're definitely not coming because they both live out in Suffolk. They don't want to take the risk. So
1: yeah, that makes sense um, though. Yeah. Honestly, I, my advice would be to look around.
0: Yeah. I know I kind of have a general idea of what I want and, Hopefully she's not hopefully she's not listening to this, but we've kind of discussed all this already.
1: We we did um, too, honestly. So <laughs> in all fairness. So
0: like she she wants a very classic style ring, which I'm fine with. Well, let me just close the door. Ugh. And we have a viewer on Twitch. Hopefully it's our, our friend. Our bot. Our bot, yeah. What um, up? What up, bot? Anyway, so... So, um... She wants a very, like, classic style ring, which is fine. She wants a yellow gold ring, which is fine, again. Um... She initially said that she wanted a gemstone ring, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not a diamond. And... Um... I really don't know how I feel about that.
1: That That's so funny because Carlos was the same way. I said, I was like, oh, I'm going to be okay with like a gemstone or a non-diamond. And he was like, oh, hell no.
0: Yeah. Like, here's the way, here's the way I see it. Because the way I see it is the gemstones are not as like on the hardness scale. Like they're not as hard as a diamond, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So like over time, it's going to scratch. Which means I'm going to have to replace it. Um... And obviously you don't have that issue with a diamond so I'm just gonna get a diamond
1: yeah well I would say look around there we we went to a place actually they didn't have a store in New York funny enough so we had traveled to Boston um to actually go see rings I have store. an idea
0: you're not talking about brilliant earth right yeah no I am yeah that we i looked into that I looked into that um but like i have I have a general idea of where i'm gonna go it's funny because michelle used to work for a jewelry company that supplied all the gemstones and the diamonds for all of these companies
1: yeah the the thing that i liked about brilliant earth um you can you can tell where their diamonds are sourced from too which yeah. like like actually from like which mine and which country in you know like oh that's cool um and then, of course, they have their their ethically sourced, uh, lab-created ones, too. But
0: mm-hmm. their actual
1: diamonds, they're, they're doing more and more, like, tell you exactly what mine they're from, what country. And I think it's really cool because, um, again, if that's something that's important to know, like, mm-hmm. where it's coming from and things like that. Um...
0: I kind of also want to go with, like, a lab-created diamond because... They're 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 non conflict diamonds. They're I mean chemically it's the same it's the same chemical composition as a natural diamond, right? You don't have to worry about you know you don't have to worry about any uh, what's the word? They're not blood diamonds. They're not anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know that they're made ethically, right? Yeah, and they're cheaper, so you can get a bigger stone and you could get it for like half the price. Like you could get like I was looking on this one website that sells like loose diamonds, you could get like a 2 carat um lab diamond for like under 2 grand. Wow. And the and the clarity is like guaranteed like at least VS. So, I don't know. Well, Hopefully, hopefully Michelle's not listening to this and she's still sleeping. So, and she doesn't. I mean, I don't think she's listened to the podcast at all. So hopefully, she just won't. Yeah, hopefully she like doesn't. It. Yeah. Um, and but Michelle, th- I'll put a, I'll put a, I'll put a dislike like, I'll put like a, a thing. Do not listen, the, Michelle. Yeah, I'll be like Michelle, <laughs> if you're listening to this, fast forward to, yeah.
1: No, that's okay. that's really exciting. Um, I, I'm sure that there's other companies that do that as well. I was just really happy with um, Brilliant Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, going to their, their showroom was really cool. Um, I had ordered in advance, actually, like ones that I wanted to try on and stuff like that so that they had mm-hmm. them in stock when I had the appointment.
0: Oh. So it was really cool. Okay. <clears throat> um, okay. That's a good idea.
1: And then I had no idea. So when, when it actually happened, like Carlos and I, you know, we had talked about like the ring that I wanted and things like that. But like when he actually proposed, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I was talking to my buddy the other day about it because I I, I opened up this can of worms and, um, you know, Michelle had been sending me these pictures and whatnot. And my, and my friend was like, listen, don't talk about the ring anymore. Like, you know what she wants. And, like, part of the whole getting the ring is, like, you picking out what you want, right? Like, you're going to, like, she's not going to say no if it's not the exact ring she wants. She's going to love it because you picked it out for her.
1: Yeah, but there is something to be said about, like, and this is, like, my personal thing, right? Was, like, I'm very picky and I know what I like and what I don't like. And so that's why, like, for us, it was a good decision to, like, look mm-hmm. at them together and, and, and try them on. And I knew it wasn't happening right at that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. we went, like, I think it was a Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I went in kind of, like, knowing, like, okay, like, it's not happening right now. Um, and he wasn't buying right. it then either. It was mm-hmm. just, like, okay, for the future, like, this is, you know, um, future planning. Mm -hmm. and then we had this big trip booked and then i was like like he's he's not good at like really like keeping like a secret or like you know so i was like yeah i was like oh like it would be really cool if it was on this trip then i was like it's not happening this year we have so many other expenses and things we're doing and this and that you know so i was just like okay it's not going to happen this year
0: and And then it happened
1: and then it happened and like he had this Mm -hmm. whole like like elaborate plan and like you know
0: like Mm -hmm.
1: I had absolutely no idea so it was really cool so it worked out but for me that that was I think he he kind of knew my personality enough to know that like I wanted to put some input into what I liked and what I wanted Mm -hmm. I know some women do not like that or some people don't like that at all right um that's not their thing they want to be completely surprised Mm -hmm. so You know, you have to know your person.
0: I think I know her pretty well. (laughs) We've been together for a few years now. So So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So
1: the right size.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. When we uh when we went to when we went to Zales when I opened that can of worms, we I had her Put like a, I had the guy put a ring sizer on her. So hopefully, I just remember that it's the right size.
1: Yeah, if, it, if it's um, a little bigger, it's not a big deal. You yeah,
0: they, they said that we can resize it as long as we don't have to add more metal. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I think I'll be okay. Because
1: I know, like, I was expecting to like probably be like a five, five and a half, or something, and I ended up being like a four point seven five. Like my yeah, I think my finger was really small.
0: I think they said she was an eight. So. Um, okay. So I have an idea. This is something that I've seen on TikTok that a lot of different podcasts are doing. I don't know if that's the whole basis of their show, but they do these things called Am I the Asshole Stories?
1: Okay, I have an idea of what that might look like, but I have not seen this, so so I don't know.
0: Okay, so I picked out 10 different stories. Hopefully, we could get to them all, and they're all, like, addiction-related. Okay. And so, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the title, and it's going to say, Am I the Asshole for something? And then I'm going to read you the story, and then I'm going to ask the question again, Am I the Asshole for da 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 and then we talk about it. Okay. All right. So the first one, the first one is, am I the asshole for wanting to go to the funeral of a girl that I helped get addicted to drugs? Ooh. Okay. I am 26 years old and clean from heroin for three years. I was also a piece of shit and used to deal for a while. I managed to get with a beautiful girl named Marcy when I first started getting into the thick of things. She knew who I was, but she said she loved me. I will regret this for the rest of my life, but I was the person who shot up Marcy for the first time. After that, there was no stopping her. She stuck around with me, probably because I was her dealer more than anything. But then I got clean and never saw her again for a long time. A year ago, she reached out to me on Facebook and told me that she'd been clean for a few months. And she said that she didn't hate me for what happened and she hoped I was still clean. Last week, I got a call from my sister who told me that she saw on Facebook that Marcy had OD'd and there was a funeral service this upcoming Thursday. I immediately just burst into tears because I hoped that this would never happen, and I feel so much guilt over it. I want to go to the funeral service for her, but I'm afraid that my presence would be unwanted. At the most, I would just slip in the back, pay my respects, and leave. I need to do this for myself. Am I the asshole for wanting to go to this funeral?
1: Maybe, maybe not.
0: I don't know. I feel like... I mean, the girl did say that she doesn't hate him for what happened. hmm Well, but... she,
1: she, says she, she, she said she didn't
0: hate him before her mm-hmm. passing, right?
1: Um, it sounds like from that perspective, no, you're not an asshole for wanting to go, right? Um, now, is it going to cause harm to the other people in her life that are grieving would be my question.
0: Yeah, my other question is, does her family know that he was the one that got her hooked?
1: Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, is that going to cause harm to those family members in any way? Because then you might be the asshole, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If if the, the family knows and they're really against you being there.
0: Yeah, I feel like I will say, here's the way I look at it. When she called him and said she was clean... Or when he got the message from her and she said that she was clean for a few months, I think that starts off the situation as not the asshole. Yeah. Right? Now, once you got the call that she died, I would have reached out to the family and said, hey, would it be okay if I come?
1: Yeah.
0: And if they say no and you go anyway, then yes, you're the asshole. Yeah. Um. Well, but and, and if you here's... decide not to go, but pay your respects in some other way, then... You you remain not the asshole.
1: Yeah, and and I think again, if the family is okay with it, and it really truly is what he he or she is saying, like, um, in terms of just going in for a very brief time to pay respects, and that's it. I I think that that's completely appropriate. Um, again, I I think we don't have enough information based on the information. That's the whole
0: point. Yeah, that's the whole point of these stories is to just speculate and.
1: Based on the information, probably not an asshole.
0: Yeah. I don't think I that there's
1: there's any like malicious intent there. Um the other thing that I would say too is a lot of um wakes and funerals for people who have died specifically of an overdose um can be difficult too because there may be people that are still using. Mm-hmm. Um and if that's going to be a trigger, that might not mm. be a healthy environment for people. Mm. So I just want to put that out there to anybody that's listening, because I know that these are situations that you do deal with, unfortunately, right? This is
0: actually probably very common, more common than you think,
1: right? So like if you're in very, very, very early sobriety, which again, it sounds like this person is not, they have three some years, whatever it was. Um, so they probably are not going to have the same um, relapse risk, hopefully, because they have a strong recovery program. Um, but, But again, if you're very new in sobriety, that could be really hard. That might be something just to think about.
0: Okay, moving on to the next story. Okay. Am I the asshole for refusing to help the addict who saved my life when I was using? I'm almost 28, and after some surgery, I got addicted to prescription painkillers like Oxy and Percocet. I eventually graduated to heroin and got clean when I was 26 but relapsed after only a couple of months. At the time, I was more or less homeless, but me and this other guy, Jack, squatted together in this abandoned building for a little while. We looked out for each other, and we always had naloxone on us in case we needed it because the local needle exchange would, g- would give it out to known users in the city. Good idea. Um, that's a very harm reduction thing to do, so props to you guys for that. I ended up overdosing after my relapse because I overestimated how much I could actually handle at that point. And luckily Jack came back at the right time and saved my life. After this, I had been fully clean for a little bit over a year. I haven't seen or heard from Jack for a really long time. I moved into my own decent apartment. I have a decent job and I've always just assumed that he was dead by now. Well, we live in a medium to smaller size city. So I Guess I shouldn't be too surprised that I would run into people I knew eventually. I was out going to my bank, which is in a sketchier part of the city, and I hear somebody call out my name. I turn around and it's Jack. I can immediately tell that he's super strung out and he goes, wow, look at you. Guess you finally managed to get better. I'm feeling nervous as fuck because I don't trust strung out junkies because I was that strung out junkie not too long ago. He tells me that he's been trying to get sober for the past year. but Nothing's been working out. Then, as I expected, he asked me for help. He asked me if he can crash at my place or if I can help him out with some money to go to a rehab since he says that I now look like I can spare it. I had I had, nor do I have any desire to let an actively using heroin addict stay at my apartment. I don't want to give him money because I know for a fact that shit will not go to a rehab. I tell him that I don't think I can do that for him, but I wish him luck. He says I'm a fucking asshole and that I'd be dead if it wasn't for him. To be fair, he is right. I would have died without him. He just—he then just spits at my feet and walks off. I left feeling pretty shook up. I thought that at the time I was making the right decision, but I don't know anymore. He did save my life, and I could very well be in his position or dead instead of where I am right now. But I also don't think I'm ready to be around people like that at this point in my recovery. I've lost all of my family who want nothing to do with me, and my only friend left helped me get clean, and I don't want to drag him back into this world, so I don't have a lot of people to talk to about about this besides my sponsor. Again, am I the asshole for refusing to help Jack?
1: I'm going to say no. However, I do think as somebody in recovery, you have the privilege and responsibility to give resources for where he can get help if you see him again Mm -hmm. not necessarily actively searching him out but if you saw him again what is the local treatment center where's the local meeting where's the local rehab what's the phone number of um somewhere that can connect you to services a hotline anything yeah if he really truly wants to get sober that yeah, does not mean I, that it's your responsibility to provide housing, um, money, anything like that.
0: Yeah, I probably would have told him, I probably would have done the same thing. But like part of one of the things that I learned in as like I used to do this as part of one of my therapy groups when I was working at my last job is like when you say no to somebody, it's one thing to say no. But like if you're going to say no in an ideal situation, you wanna al- you want to offer someone an alternative. Mm -hmm. So, like, if someone asks you, hey, can I crash at your place because I have nowhere to go? Like, if I was this guy, I probably would have turned around and been like, listen, I really don't feel comfortable having you at my place. But if you're trying to go to rehab, like, I'll take you to rehab. I'll drive you there. If you need to go to detox, I'll drive you to detox. I'll, I'll be with you. You can always, you know, you can always come over and, you know, whenever I'm home, you can come by, you can hang out. But, like, you can't stay here. You know, you got to, you got to offer him an alternative, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, it's your recovery. So like, I think setting the
1: boundaries is a good thing.
0: Yeah. I think you did the right thing by setting a boundary. And I think that, you know, that's, that's just the nature of the disease that like he, he reacted the way he did because he's sick. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't feel bad for that. Yeah. I I would say, Jack, thank you for saving my life. I'm I will forever be grateful for you. This is this is part of my recovery now. Like I can't I can't have someone who's actively using in my life.
1: But if you truly want help, this is where you can go. Right. You know.
0: So And that, overall, I know that's really
1: hard for people to do though.
0: Right. So overall, not the asshole. So far, so good. We're doing okay with this. I like this. Okay. Am I the asshole for posting a picture of my sister, a drug addict, of her passed out on drugs online? I have a sister who has a horrible drug problem. She is a horrible burden on everyone, and I think she's beyond help. She's went through rehab and everything. It's to the point where you almost never see her sober anymore. She lives with me and has no job whatsoever. It seems like once a week, she'll go get wasted on pills and come back to the house and pass out. Same story last week, only that we had to call an ambulance, and after she got home from the hospital, she promised she would change. I was proud until she came back with the same thing just a few days later. She came in mumbling, her eyes were glazed over, and sure enough, she passed out on her bed. Nobody knows the real her, so I was pretty angry about it. The way she lied to us all about changing. I was so disappointed, I took a picture of her passed out and put it on Facebook. Her friends saw it, and the commenters were all horrified. Sure enough, when she woke up, she got really angry and started airing all of my dirty laundry on Facebook too. Mostly made-up stuff, and nobody believed her. I know it was extreme, but was it justified? Because we've done literally everything we can do to help her. I even got her a job, which she blew off after a day. The one day she did show up, she just passed out at her cubicle. Again, am I the asshole for posting a picture of my sister online?
1: I'm going to say yes.
0: Yeah. The, the, yeah, the re- I, I would have to agree with you on that.
1: The reason why is because, first of all, you did something without somebody's permission.
0: Yeah, you took a picture of somebody when they were at their most vulnerable. You, and you put it online. You, that's That's just not cool.
1: And, you know, in terms of thinking about what is ethical um, and right in terms of addiction. Like, it is not okay, funny, cute, or an intervention to post a picture of somebody high or drunk in the midst of their pain and suffering. It's not okay. Because essentially you're profiting in some way, whether it's financially or emotionally. And it's exploitation. So I will say that. um, Because that's wrong. Now, if you're really concerned about her, right, which it sounds like this person is, to me, there were other ways to go about that than doing what you did, right? So posting that picture, you know, again, that was for your own selfish needs, not Mm -hmm. I truly want to help her. Because if it was I truly want to help her, well, I think we need to have an intervention, right? Um, I think I need to set boundaries in terms of you can't live with me because of the behaviors of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um, anything like that. So to me, that, that one's pretty clear cut.
0: Yeah. I definitely think that she's the asshole for that. I think that (sighs) there's so many other ways you could have done this. Like you could have just told her friends like, Hey, like she has a really bad drug problem. And if you want to like come by the house and like, see it, you can, you can come by and like, you can confront her about that. And like how, you know, like once you see it for yourself, you'll be able to tell, but like to do something like that, it's like, it's like if someone, it's like if someone like walked in on you in the bathroom, like you, like using the bathroom and they posted that online, like that, like you're at your most vulnerable. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't, you can't defend yourself. You can't cover yourself up. You can't do anything like that. And you look really bad. Now, granted, one is more socially acceptable than the other, right? Like, yeah, people use the bathroom and that's what it looks like when someone's using the bathroom. But, like, it's just not cool. Yeah. And you can't, like, you can't come back from that. Like, well, I, I take that back. You can come back from it. But, like, the lower down, like, you go much lower down when you do with this, like, when someone does this to you. Yeah.
1: And I just want to also like make it clear, like we're using jargon, like the, the, the plain, like, are you an asshole or not? Right. But like, this is not meant to be like, in, in my opinion, at least it's not so uh, meant to be like judgmental in that way. It's like, just look yeah. at your behavior as your behavior. It's not that you are actually an asshole. It's your behavior is portraying that of an asshole. Right. So like somebody that, that does not care, somebody that is doing this for their own benefit somebody who's not taking into consideration other people's feelings, needs, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that clear is like, like we're using this in, in fun and jest, right? Because mm. that's like the the whole like TikTok thing that's going on, but it's like, no, you're not truly an asshole, but your behaviors are showing that you maybe need to do some self growth and work.
0: So right. I will so, like
1: make that disclaimer. Um, right.
0: So like, if we're saying you're the asshole, you're the asshole that that means you should probably change your behavior yeah. or you should really think about what you just did or what you're thinking about yeah. doing.
1: it doesn't mean that you're like truly actually an asshole or that we're making fun of you or calling you an asshole
0: really right because like we can obviously tell like this girl
1: she's worried, worried about her sister right
0: right she's, she's in a very emotional space and like she didn't know what to do right she said she's a horrible burden on the family she's been through rehab she's done all that and she just didn't know what to do.
1: But I just wanted so, to make that clear for, for our listeners that, you know. Yes. That this is, you know, like, <clears throat> even though we're using that language, that's not necessarily what we're meaning. We're just using the language as it, as as it is in the game or the trend, whatever it is, on TikTok.
0: Okay, here's another one. This one's This one's very interesting. Am I the asshole for getting mad about my wife's salad dressing addiction and throwing a bunch away. Okay, this is super weird and I know that I, I know and I never thought I'd have to post anything like this. My wife is a fan of simple foods. Stuff like soups, salads, pasta dishes, etc. Originally, she would make her own dressings for the salads and pasta, but I guess she found it too to be too much work and started buying variety of different dressings it wasn't too bad at first started off with two one for her salads one for her pastas but gradually started building up right now we have two side drawers full of different dressings i'd say there's over 20 of them i've tried talking her about it gently a few times but she always kind of brushes it off as it's just dressing and she likes having a variety well last night she came home with two more I finally snapped and told her she needs to control her weird-ass dressing addiction because this is seriously getting out of control. She got pissed at me for calling it weird and said there's nothing wrong with having a variety of stuff that she uses nearly every day. Well, I had enough, so after she went to bed, I started cleaning the fridge and threw a majority of them away. Needless to say, she was pissed when she woke up. She ended up leaving to her parents and won't answer my calls or texts. I called her mom, who called me a controlling asshole, and told me to leave her alone. Now I'm wondering, seriously, am I the asshole?
1: Well, I would say, potentially.
0: I think they're both the assholes.
1: I I mean, you know, the first thing, listening to that, though, I know he's calling it a salad dressing addiction, but it actually sounds like a hoarding problem, which is an OCD and anxiety-based behavior. And... There could be some mental health issue that's making her really want to have those and feel some comfort and security in that ritual. Um, and again, I'm—I that's just the first thing that pops into my mind. Not that either that's way, necessarily whether,
0: true. Whether it's hoarding or, you know, that OCD or what is it? Is it OCD or is it? Um, either way, my my point is it's similar to that of an addiction because that like the early stages of addiction cause of that lack of insight. Yeah. Right. Like she thinks that it's just, Oh, I'm just having a variety of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not like, Oh, I actually have a problem with this.
1: So, you know, it, it could be one of those things though, that like, again, I think there probably needed to be more of a conversation around this between the two of them. <laughs> um, but
0: I- I think he's the asshole for throwing the stuff away. Yeah. And I think that the wife is the asshole for leaving the house and not wanting to talk to him.
1: Yeah. like, And like I think the mom is the asshole
0: for getting involved.
1: Yeah. I mean, these, these are adults, right? She should not be mm-hmm. getting involved in their relationship, so.
0: If I was the mother and I called the mother, I would have told my, my daughter, the wife, to be like, you need to go back to the house and figure this shit out because this is stupid. Yeah, I would be like, I'm not getting involved in this. This is this is a salad dressing thing. Like, you you need to talk this out. And again, I get it. It's not, it's not the salad dressings themselves. It's what the salad dressings represent.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: So you're you're the asshole, but also your wife is the asshole, and your mother in law is the asshole too. Every,
1: everybody needs changed behavior.
0: Exactly. Might I suggest family therapy? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on.
1: Let's get, let's start with couples first. Family yeah. seems a little inappropriate for that one. That's too enmeshed.
0: <laughs> well, either way, that's an MFT. You got to go to an MFT yeah. for that. Anyway. Okay. Am I the asshole for asking my dad why he thinks his drugs are more important than mine? Mm. This is a little bit of a long one. <clears throat> I am seven, I'm a 17-year-old female. I have a heart condition that requires medication that is not cheap. It's just me and my dad at home, and my dad earns well. The bills are always paid. I have what I need, but he's got an expensive drug habit. Usually, he makes sure my meds are gotten first, but I guess this month he forgot. I asked him yesterday how he was going to get my medication after realizing how overboard he went, and he said that he didn't know and that it was time I figured it out. I reminded him that I'm 17 with no job, and this could turn into a life or death thing fast. He repeated that it's time for me to find a way. This went back and forth for a while. Eventually, I could see the guilt in his face and I snapped. So, why in the name of God do you think that your drugs are more important than mine? Do you just not give a fuck whether I live or die at this point? I felt really bad about this, so I left to stay with a friend. My dad texted me this morning and apologized for the way he's acted. And the problem he caused. But he said, I'm an asshole for the things I said to him last night. He thinks I should have been more considerate towards his issues and not to think so selfishly. Am I the asshole?
1: I'm going to say no, because you're still technically a child. You you don't have the same emotional control. Not saying it's right. Right? You probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't have said certain things. But to me, this is an automatic CPS case. This is medical neglect. Right. So your dad is the asshole because you are Mm -hmm. under the age of 18. He is not providing you with your medical care that you need. And I'm guessing that we're talking about illegal drugs here, not a prescription drug that your dad is putting his need over yours first. Right.
0: Yeah. I think I also think that like as an adult, like obviously I think that he, the dad is the asshole for, for neglecting his child's needs. Um, but I think he's also the asshole for like, as an adult, you need to understand that when you're apologizing, you can't apologize and then criticize in the same statement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he said, oh, he, he's sorry for the way he acted, but like, I should have been, he was saying that the daughter should have been more considerate. Like you can't, you can't say both of those things in the same sentence. Yeah. You know, I, I think that if his. If he had said, I apologize for doing what I did, I think she may have recognized the the, uh, the significance of what he was saying, and she would have turned around and been like, you know what, I'm really sorry about what I said, because that really wasn't right either.
1: Yeah, and and she was saying that she did have some insight into maybe she shouldn't have said those things, you know what I mean? So on, on her part, even though she did say them, right, mm-hmm. like she did have some insight afterwards. So that, that makes me hopeful that like, you know, you're, you're learning as a person and growing and you're still, again, you're a teenager. So, mm-hmm. um, but th- that is your dad's responsibility. He is your parent, your caretaker, your guardian. Your medication is his responsibility. 100%. And again, if, if this was an actual situation, I really truly hope that um, if this was not worked out in which you were able to get your medication that somebody did call CPS because, That is not okay.
0: Yeah, it actually, she put an edit in here that says, I will not be calling protective services or the police on my dad. I'm slightly anti-cop. And this is the first slip up he's ever made to this extent. If it does happen again, I will be looking for somewhere else to live. I mean, I could understand that, but then again, it's not necessarily your place. It wouldn't be your place to make the call. However, if someone else who is, who happened to be a mandated reporter.
1: Yeah. Who knew like the details. Obviously this is an anonymous right. post, but like right. somebody like, else in your for, life.
0: For example, like if you told your doctor and your doctor decided to make a report, then it's not your fault. You know, it's not, you know, yeah, I guess you could be upset at your doctor for making the report, but then the doctor is going to turn around and say, I'm not risking my license for you to keep your secret.
1: Well, yeah, and it, and again, at the end of the day, like this is potentially a life or death medication. You need it, right? Um, right. So that's our jobs as mandated reporters is to make sure that you are safe, and that doesn't only mean from like physical abuse, right?
0: Yeah. Like, like I think I people, people done- for-
1: forget that.
0: Yeah, like if I was this girl's social worker, like and she came in and she said to me, like, "This is what's going on," I would have made a report. Yeah, write that in there. So. You are not the asshole for asking your dad that. If anything, your dad is the asshole. Um, And he probably needs to go to get some help. Okay. So we got... We're halfway done. So let's keep it going. Am I the asshole for refusing to let my former drug addict ex-wife see our son? So he starts off by saying he's from a non-English speaking country. Okay. So there may be some typos. I'll try to phase them out as I read. <clears throat> I met my ex when I was 16. Due to both our stupidity, she got pregnant at 17. She decided to keep the child, and I obviously took responsibility. I finished high school, got a job, took night schooling while she took primary care of our child with both of our parents helping. I eventually got my college degree, which was around the time my then-wife started acting strangely. But as I was overworked, I did not notice a lot of it. At this time, I got, hired by, I got hired by a large company and my wages pretty much doubled while my work hours finally became stable. At which point I found out my ex-wife had become addicted to drugs and she started neglecting our son. After an intervention of sorts, I took command of our finances to ensure she would not use our money to buy drugs and gave her another chance after a few months I figured out she had been exchanging sexual favors for drugs, at which point I divorced her. A brutal custody battle ensued. The court consistently chose her side, which resulted in our equivalent of CPS removing our kids twice from her home. After a while, I got another pay raise and hired a top lawyer, which after a long legal battle resulted in me getting full custody. I got full custody when our son was eight after about five years of legal battles. At this point, he's been living with me for six years. I remarried a short while after getting custody to my then-girlfriend, who considers him her kid, and he considers her his mother. We also have two other children together, his siblings. Um, I talked to my son about his mother multiple times ever since he turned 13, because he's 14 now. He, um, I was explaining that he is at the age where he can make some of his own decisions. So if he wanted to reach out to his mother, he only has to tell me and I'll try to make it happen. He has clearly told me he wants nothing to do with her as he vividly remembers how she treated him, which I feel terribly guilty about. Last week, his mother reached out to me stating she's been sober for a year and wants to rekindle a relationship with her son. I spoke to my wife who told me to allow her one chance. I spoke to my parents who told me the same. I then asked my son who told me in no uncertain terms he wants nothing to do with her. I took my son's side as he is the person that this is about. I told my ex he was not interested, and I wasn't going to force him. I have since received calls from my ex's parents calling me a horrid person that is causing their daughter to fail her rehabilitation. Her friends have con- gave me uh her friends have contacted me on social media, and I'm wondering whether I'm the asshole. After all, she is his mother, and I have to be honest. I'm terrified of rocking his world. He's doing really great right now, so. Am I the asshole for letting my former drug addict ex-wife see our son?
1: I'm going to say with the the information given, no, you're not asshole. Because again, if you have legal custody and there is no visitation in place for mom and your child is saying she, he does not want to see her. um, And again, he's a teenager. He has the ability to, to understand what that means. Um, and he doesn't want to. I'm going to say no. So unless there's some legal reason why he would legally have to see his mother, I do not think that you're the asshole. I think yeah putting putting in place like, hey, like maybe I would give would give it a shot if he, if the kid wants to. Right? I'm cautious. I'm wary of it. But
0: you also got to think about it. Like this this guy, he is he he. From what we can tell, he's an immigrant. He comes from a non English speaking country he he manned up to his responsibility. He got this woman pregnant. He went he got a job, got went to night school, you know, got a good paying job after that and kept moving up the ranks within that company or whatever. And all the while his wife was doing this sketchy shit on the side. And
1: well, and it sounds you know, like she was given chances, she was given right. the opportunities. He said the equivalent of CPS was involved, right? I'm sure they had Offered her treatment in some sort of way. Hopefully, again, I don't know what country they're they're writing from, so it's hard to know exactly. Obviously, but like she was given the opportunities to change and get sober and things like that. Um, and unfortunately, you see this a lot with people who are in recovery that their children don't always want to talk to them. You know, yeah, because of the I, the years of addiction and what they've experienced with the parent.
0: I would I would really like to know what this guy said to his son about his mother when he asked because depending on how he framed it could have also influenced his decision. So, but based on I'm I'm going to assume that he did it in a healthy, responsible way and didn't like try to badmouth her mm-hmm. because at the end of the day like she's clean now. So, like I think if there if there is an asshole in this situation, it's got to be the ex's parents, the ex's friends for like blowing up this guy. And well, it's not their like, business, right? It's not their because it's not their business, and he's he's protecting his son, who he has full custody for. Mm-hmm. He's doing the right thing. He's he's shielding his son from all of this, you know, hatred. And the only thing, like I've been through this situation before. Like I, I, like with my, with my patients, I had a woman that, that wasn't allowed to, that wasn't allowed to see her son. Like she's a, she was an older adult. Her son was, you know, uh, you know, married with kids, full-time career or whatever. And the, the son's wife was constantly always getting in the middle of this woman and her son. And part of what part of what the the mother, my patient, eventually realized was that like all she can do is just focus on her recovery and periodically make attempts to reach out. And at some point, you know, as long as she's remaining sober, someone, you know, they'll hopefully they'll have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. If they do, great. If not, at least you're doing what you can to stay sober in the meantime. Yeah. So Guy, you're not the asshole. Your wife's your ex-wife's um your ex-wife's mother and her and your friends are the assholes.
1: Yeah. And the ex-wife still stay sober, please. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: another thing, I also wanna commend the the new wife because from what I can tell, she has tried as has decided not to get involved. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very, which is which is a great deal, like a great thing to do, is to not get involved in the situation, like you be there for the son, you know when he's feeling, you know, you know upset about this stuff, but like you don't reach out to anybody, you stay there in the home and protect your son, which is good. Okay, that was a very good one. I think that one might have been my favorite so far. Um, okay. Am I the asshole for not wanting my uh, my drug addict sister to come on our girl's trip? We went on a girl's trip to Cali, and our addicted sister came. She used heroin and pills for the most part. Meth at times, too. She's on the run from the law. Active warrants in four states. She just ran from court-ordered treatment. My family just wanted to see her because she's at a point Where we're preparing for final goodbyes. She stayed in our hotel room where a six-month-old baby was sleeping, smoking pills, and shooting up in the bathroom every night. She has hep C, and I found her blood sprayed from the toilet up to the wall. She would lock herself in there for three hours at a time while people needed to use the amenities. For the most part, she was rude to everyone the whole weekend. Addiction is a disease that tears people apart, and I feel compassion for her. When it comes down to it, she can't and shouldn't be able to get away with doing that to all of us for four days straight, just so we can see her. She hijacked a vacation that I saved for a long time for. We had some fun times that I won't forget, but for the most part, I have a lot to talk to my therapist about. Trying to avoid my own tailspin with drinking. Am I the asshole for not wanting her on our vacation? I would have wanted to see her in any other circumstance but this not to mention the danger she put us all in. My mom and other sisters are all pissed at me for not being able to just pretend things were normal for her.
1: So I'm going to say not the asshole. Agreed. Because guess what? Part of families in addiction is learning to not enable them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And this whole... Taking her on a trip, providing her with money, shelter, food, etc, um this vacation is complete enabling you're not helping her. She's on the run from the law. Turn her in if you want to help her. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds really mean,
0: yeah, but that I agree,
1: but at least you know she will be alive, yeah, so
0: sorry, but not sorry, yeah, yeah, you're not the asshole. Um, but your sister is your sister needs to get help, and well, and,
1: and she's if, if her going is, to gym she's, she's not an asshole, like even her behaviors, that's the thing. Like, she's an act of addiction, she's not trying to be an asshole. You know, her behaviors right. are coming off that way, but she's not actively trying to hurt all of you, right? Right. She just really needs help. Right. And and again, I know that a lot of people will sometimes say, like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't turn in my family, that's so wrong, etc. Like, at least you know she's alive. At least you know she she's going to have, you know, a safe place whether it, she's in jail, rehab, etc. Like, at least you know where she is and that she's alive.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you're not the asshole. Don't feel bad. Ooh, this is a good one. I haven't read any of these, by the way. I just picked ten of them. And minimize them. So, like... Okay. So, I'm, so I'm This is your first time
1: experiencing them, too.
0: These stories, yes. Yeah. I've read things like this before, but not these in particular. Okay. Am I the asshole for telling my sister that I am in therapy because of her?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing.
0: Okay. okay. Um... I'm just trying to make sense of this. Okay, so this guy, I believe. Okay, so this kid, the kid who's writing this is a 19-year-old male. Okay. So my 25-year-old sister had a kid four months ago. My brother, 27-year-old male, and I kind of moved into her house when she stopped being able to really work due to the pregnancy. The father of the kid is not in the picture, and my sister was clearly struggling. We live nearby at the place she lives in, and the place she lives in is spacious enough to fit us all, so here we are. Okay. My sister is an addict. She used to be high all the time when I was younger. She's been clean for over a year. Now that we live here, my brother's taken to have her do drug tests once a month, and she's not happy about it. She says that it's insulting, and that she's not a little kid and that he doesn't have any kind of authority to force her to do that, Which, yeah, he doesn't. He's just brought them and been like, please take this, and she complies. While up until now, her thoughts about the entire thing were really just her complaining to me about it, and silently glaring at my brother when he came home with the drug test, she's finally actually taken it up with him. And they had a pretty huge fight. It came to the point where my brother said something along the lines of, how do you plan to raise a kid if you're always high? And she replied that she was clean. Then she pointed at me and was like, he turned out just fine anyways. Which is just not true. I mean, shit could have been a lot worse, but I do have some pretty traumatizing childhood memories stemming directly from my sister being an addict. I mean, the fact that we have parents that make it so that my sister can use me as an example of a kid. She is in some ways raised is really fucked up and not her fault. But ultimately, having her an addict as a parental figure is one of the bigger reasons I'm currently in therapy. So I would say, I would not say I turned out just fine. I told her as much, I told her as much, a lot less tactfully. Something like, fine, you're half the reason I'm in therapy. She stared at me for a second, then called me an ungrateful asshole and stormed off. I talked to my friend about it to vent, but she told me it was a pretty shitty thing of me to say. Um, when she had done her best in a really bad circumstance, my brother says she needed to hear it. I think I maybe should have just not yelled it in the middle of an argument and been nicer about it. Either way, I think I maybe should apologize for this given that she's still very clearly upset. Uh, and it was definitely a hurtful thing to say. So am I the asshole for telling my sister I'm in therapy because of her?
1: Well, the fact that you're saying you're in therapy because of her is an asshole thing to say. Now, telling her that one of the reasons that you struggle in your life and that you're trying to work through is because of what you've seen her in active addiction is not an asshole thing to say. It's how you say it. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. I think, again, by you saying like you want to maybe say sorry and say it in a different way. I would say that that would be completely appropriate and not an asshole thing to do is to kind of say like, Hey, we had this argument. It was pretty heated. I I think it maybe came out wrong. And this is what I meant to say. Right.
0: You also got to keep in mind, apparently like this girl has been clean the whole time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and trying to say like, you know, this is how your addiction has affected me. And it's one of the things, one of the things, I will say that again. Right. That I talk mm-hmm. bad in therapy because it affected me. That's not to say that that's the only reason why I'm in therapy. I have other things as well. I just mm-hmm. want to let you know that, that addiction does affect people in the family. I'm really proud of you for being clean. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah. I, I would also say, like, you're moving into her house. And, you know, I think if she's clearly displayed to you that she's capable of staying clean that you kind of need to back off. Yeah.
1: And, and the, the brother who keeps, not the writer, but the other brother who keeps mm-hmm. giving her drug tests, if you're that concerned about drug use or the child's safety in any way, make a report. If, if, if you truly think that something is going on, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it, again, based on the information. But if you're worried mm-hmm. for that child's safety, that child's safety comes primary to anything else going on.
0: And apparently, like... I heard this from one of my coworkers, but like, if a woman, if if a woman is using drugs while she's pregnant, that doesn't warrant a CPS report.
1: No, not. You can only
0: make a report once the child is born.
1: It depends on the state, I believe. In New York State, right. that is accurate. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can only call CPS once the child is born. Um, so somebody uh, is using and admits to use. Um, they are drug tested throughout their pregnancy randomly. Mm-hmm. and um, say they test, like, especially marijuana, it's so common. Um, mm-hmm. They test positive in the beginning, and then they're negative the rest of the pregnancy. There's no CPS mm-hmm. call made because there was no use later in the pregnancy. The kid doesn't test positive. They test the kid when the kid's born. Um, there's there's no need.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Agreed. Yep. All right. Okay. Am I the asshole for lying about my addiction? I kind of want to say yes off the rip. I Let's, Let's go into the story. Okay. So I live with my boyfriend and have, been, and have been doing so since May of 2018. Before I moved in, I started smoking a jewel. I know, I'm so red, right? Anyway, I developed an addiction to nicotine, a severe one at that. I believe it was around October we got into a huge fight about it. Because he hates smoking and thinks it's stupid. I break down and destroy both of the jewels that I had. She had two jewels. That is crazy. We move on. Things get better. But I'm having insane nicotine cravings. We were home alone one night. Everybody went out. And I decide I want to have a glass of whiskey. I also suggested to him that maybe I can truly kick this habit if I have one cigarette while I drink. I don't know why I suggested that. I literally just wanted nicotine in my body. So I smoked one outside with him. I hated it. I told him no more, and we agreed to keep them in my sock drawer until we could give them to someone. Well, I had just one more, then another, and soon the whole pack was gone within a week. However, he had been counting them. I kid you not, this guy was counting them. When they were gone, we had a fight. The same thing happened two or three more times in the past few months. Him and I just made up from a huge fight where uh, we had, where we told each other we need to work on ourselves. And I personally have been, I've been making him lunch daily, doing laundry, cleaning, picking up after myself, being responsible and taking more shifts at work because I know these are all things he wants me to do and I'm happy to do them. He asked me to stop smoking even when I drink. I said, okay, but I only stopped for about two days. I came home from work smelling like cigarettes tonight because I had one in the parking lot when I left. He smelled it. I lied because I didn't want to fight because he will never understand. Turns out he found one of my two stashes and saw that I had taken some. We haven't talked all night. Now he's asleep and is going to work in 2 hours. I texted him so I could see it so he could see it in the morning. I apologized. Yet I let him know that it's my body, my decisions. He doesn't understand addiction because he's never been addicted to anything other than uh, Dr. Pepper and Red Dead Redemption 2. But my point is, he doesn't get it. And the fact that he feels like he is allowed to make decisions for me and say, it's my way or the highway, that just feels so wrong of him. Almost dictatorish. Keep in mind, we were both supposed to work on ourselves, and he hasn't done anything different. So, am I the asshole? I would say you both are.
1: It sounds like a completely yes. toxic unhealthy relationship. There's so many red and orange flags going off just from how it's written.
0: What do you mean red and orange?
1: So, red flags are like those automatic like um little things that people say that right. like okay. orange is like that like well, it doesn't sound great. It could be interpreted as like a red flag, but some people will okay. make excuses for it so that it's really not.
0: That's what I thought you meant by that. Okay.
1: Um, So to me, it just sounds like a completely unhealthy relationship, Um, Mm -hmm. in my honest opinion, that I would probably say, this is, you know, not good for either of you. The other interesting thing, um, because she says, like, oh, like, the only thing he's addicted to is Dr. Pepper, but that's sugar and caffeine. Mm -hmm. So that's the same thing as nicotine, essentially, like...
0: Right, I mean, they both have their addictions, according to her. You know. Um, she wasn't doing anything different. And I think that he was just saying that they need to work on themselves because he was just trying to get her to stop. Yeah.
1: You know, you know, it sounds like there is this aspect of controlling manipulation, gaslighting, breaking up, getting back together. And that's what, to me, just makes it sound very unhealthy as mm-hmm. a relationship. Um and I, I would just say, you know, again, this sounds like something that if you truly want to make this relationship work, I mean, it sounds like you probably need to go to a couples therapist because this is not just going to work out by itself. You've seen over and over again, this pattern's not working. And do you truly want to stop smoking? You know, in, in this whole thing, I haven't necessarily really heard the writer say, I'm at a place where I want to give up nicotine. I hundred percent commit myself to to quitting nicotine. You know,
0: one thing I want to point out, and this was at the top of the story. She started smoking a jewel. Mm-hmm. She started with smoking with a uh, started smoking by using a jewel,
1: and then is now and, with cigarettes,
0: and now is smoking cigarettes. And this is this is how teenagers get sucked into this shit. I don't know if this girl is, you know, how old she is. She didn't say, but like the whole point of the jewel. Well, so you instant, get addicted to nicotine. Well, originally <laughs> like that stuff was made so that it could be a safer alternative to smoking cigarettes. It's to help someone get off of cigarettes and onto something that's less, that's less uh, deadly, or less hazardous, right? It's like a harm reduction method of smoking it of, of, of using nicotine right so it ended up working in reverse mm-hmm. for her like she started with the jewel she started with the vape and then she moved on to actual cigarettes so um I, I i don't know i just wanted to point that out i thought that was kind of interesting too yeah um okay this is the last one okay uh this one is interesting Uh, Am I the asshole for laughing when my friend confessed to going to sex addiction meetings? My friend, who's a 28-year-old male, and myself, a 29-year-old male, are fairly close. And in the past, he has made it clear he enjoys sex probably more than the average man. It was something I never really thought of too much. Last weekend, we met up after a while of not seeing each other due to the quarantine. And I asked him, what's going on? He got very serious and told me that for a while he's been going to a support group. At first, I was concerned. I thought he may have developed a drug or alcohol addiction or something actually serious. I asked him a support group for what, and he told me it's a group for people with sex addictions. I bursted out laughing, thinking he was joking, but he got really offended and told me that he was serious and that he's been thinking of sexual thoughts nonstop and that they are becoming intrusive. I basically told him, congratulations, you are like most men, and he kept saying to me, I knew you wouldn't understand. I saw how serious he was, so I decided to level with him, and I even said, okay, but you have to realize sex addiction is not that big of a deal. It's not like it's life-threatening, like being addicted to heroin. Anyway, afterwards, he hasn't been talking to me, and I told some of our mutual friends about his addiction, and they all laughed too and said he was being dramatic. Obviously, my group of friends can be biased. So I wanted to post this to get a clearer sense.
1: Yes, you're an asshole.
0: Yes. Yes. I agree. 150,000%. You are an asshole. Y- yes. Is it, done... is it
1: not as deadly like in terms of l- the lethal level? Yes, it's, it's not. But it is still an addiction like anything else. And it could be significantly impacting his quality of life, which obviously he's aware of and trying to get help. You laughing is yeah. not making it any better. You're you're just being an asshole. This
0: is this is a classic. Um, this is a classic example of people who don't understand addiction, mm-hmm. especially things like you know when it comes to like non-conventional addictions like sex or
1: gambling, gambling
0: or shopping, video or games, video games, right? Um, and I think. That this guy was, he was doing the right thing by coming forward and sharing something really in depth about himself with someone that he has a very close relationship with. And for this guy to laugh in his face.
1: That's asshole move number one. Number two, did you actually get permission to share with other friends? Because that's asshole move number two.
0: Right. I think... I think what happened was he tried to go to his friend group and be like, Hey, am I the asshole for doing this? And they were like, no.
1: Yeah. But like, was that that even your place to to ask or say that?
0: No, no, not at all. You know, I'm just saying like, I I just think that there's no way you can frame this to make yourself not look like an asshole. Yeah. The only way that you could, the only way that you could change, you would be able to change my opinion on this is if you went back and you realized, okay, I'm the asshole. I realized that what I did was messed up. So I went back to him and I apologized. Mm
1: -hmm. And I had a conversation with him to, Hey, I realized that I was wrong. Like this, this is a serious problem. How can I support you? How can I help? If you're truly somebody's friend, right. How can I help you? You know, how can I support you? I I want you to know that like, I was coming from a place of ignorance. So I didn't know, right. Mm -hmm. I didn't have enough information and, and know what, what sex addiction really is about and how it can really impact your life negatively. And it's a real thing.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, I think just people need to be more understanding that like, I mean, we're just, we're, we just know more about this stuff because that's what we've dedicated our careers to. And We know that it doesn't matter if it's drugs or alcohol or if it's sex, if it's gambling, if it's shopping, if it's video games, if it's nicotine,
1: Dr. Pepper, Nicotine,
0: Dr. Pepper, Red (laughs) Dead Redemption 2. It doesn't matter. Like it's it's an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Like the behaviors are the same, the thought process is the same, the regression into a more severe addiction is the same. Everything is the same, right? Mm -hmm even when you go to eight when you go to like those 12 step meetings it's a set like the 12 the 12 steps are essentially the same but you just substitute whatever your addiction is instead mm-hmm. of alcohol right um so as soon as people realize that a drug is a drug is a drug doesn't matter what behavior it is like i think we can really start to um reduce the stigma towards addiction in general yeah uh, so I think that's, that's where we're, I mean, you want to, you want to do like one or two more? I can try and find a couple.
1: No, no, I think, I think this was fun. This was something different. And again, like I said, it just, just as a disclaimer to to our listeners and
0: mm-hmm. our bot viewer. Um, We have two viewers now. Okay. We have. We have one on Twitch and one on Facebook. Okay. I don't know who it is that's watching on Facebook. Um, if you're watching, drop a comment. But yeah, go ahead and you go.
1: But you know, like again, like we're we're not saying we're not being judgmental and saying you're actually an asshole. You know, it's just we're we're using this in just plain language of this game and in, in fun and jest, but also trying to be serious of like when we say you're you're being an asshole in this situation, it's not that you actually are, it's the behavior is kind of inappropriate. The behavior is of that that somebody that should be maybe working on themselves, changing, um, coming off as inappropriate in some way, judgmental, et cetera. And so I just want to be clear to our listeners, we're not trying to be judgmental of these people that we're writing in um, to mm-hmm. whatever, I- I'm guessing this was probably like on Reddit or like, yeah. Yeah, it was Reddit. Um, you know, we're, we're not trying to be judgmental towards them in any way. Um,
0: we're just, so. we're, we're, Right, we're not trying to call anyone an asshole. We're just trying to we're 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 going along with this, um, with this trend. Like what we're what we're trying to get at is if we say you're an if when we're saying that you're an asshole, we're saying that you really need to change the way you act or the what you say or what you do, things like that. Yeah,
1: we we want people um, to to recognize that their behavior is one that maybe needs to to gain some insight, right? and and reflection and like understanding because you're coming from a place that like either is is lack of education ignorance um fear those type of things that a lot of us we have those biases right and so we're just we're actually using this to try to help people check their biases if anything right so a better way of actually um saying you're the asshole is check your bias right
0: so it turned our Facebook viewer Liana, Liana Rosales. She was she tuned in to watch us last week.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's my sister. Drop the like on our
0: stream. So thank you. That's your sister-in-law. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't say that last time. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Hi, Liana.
1: Thanks for watching.
0: Oh well, now I know. I'll just call her Liana now. I don't want to keep saying her last name. That's just weird. <laughs> um. Well, again, Liana, thank you. Um I think that's where we'll call it, right? yeah, okay, so now I'll do my whole spiel at the end. So thank you everybody for for tuning in um, and watching the video. Um, if you're listening to this after the fact, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our content today, um, make sure to uh, follow us on all of our um, major podcasting platforms. shoot us a subscription. Um, we are on uh, Apple. We are on Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Um, if you want to stay um, uh, up to date on what we're doing on social media, follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Get involved with our TikTok campaign to get AJ McLean on the Sober Highway podcast for an interview because we really, really want to get him on the show. Um, if you have any information that you think would be beneficial for our listeners to have, um, you can either DM us on any of our social media platforms or you can shoot us an email at thesoberhighway at gmail.com. If you want to donate to us and help us do like cooler things um, to make the stream better for you guys, to make the podcast better for you guys, you can Venmo us at, at thesoberhighway which we'll link, we'll link everything down below. Um, Anika, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? No. no. Okay.
1: A, well, yes, I guess. Not that so many people are listening live right now, <laughs> but but if you are listening um, or you, you're, you watch this later, um, stay safe, please.
0: Yes. Um, I actually did want to share one thing because... Uh, our episode last week did so well. We had we had 25 downloads of that episode. Okay. We got we got a download from South Africa. That's cool. Which is so freaking cool. And we got we got two downloads from the UK and we got three downloads from Canada. Nice. So, we are continuing to go global. Um, So thank you, everybody, for tuning in from wherever you're listening from. All right. You sure you don't have anything more to add? No. Okay. I'm good. So thanks, everybody, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.